Today we have Paul before the Sanhedrin causing a ruckus and then whisked out of the city under cover of darkness, setting up kind of his future and the climax of the book of Acts. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me today as we dive into episode 124, and we pray together through Acts chapter 23. But before we do that, we're going to open with a bit of worship. And today we are in Acts 23. 11 is the verse that we'll be praying through. It's a short verse and it says, The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. This is the Lord speaking to Paul, and we'll come to that later in the chapter, but today I just want to use it to open us up in worship. So let's dive in. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity that we can join together in prayer, even though that we're separated by miles or even time, because this winds up being a podcast. I appreciate the opportunity to do this, the freedom that I can open your word and pray for it in public in this kind of a situation and bring together people from all over the world. That is a privilege and an honor, and I am grateful for that today. Also want to honor you and worship you for being a God who is in control and who is kind enough to come and let us know sometimes that here's what I'm doing. You didn't have to tell Paul what you were doing. You're using circumstances to allow him to testify in Rome. And it would help him to know that because he was going through, uh, entering into a a time when things were going to be difficult. He was going to be in prison. Things certainly hadn't always been easy for him out of prison, but now he was entering into a time of imprisonment. And you standing there and telling him, have courage. Just as you have testified in Jerusalem, I need you to testify in Rome. That would have been helpful for me. And I just appreciate that you are a God who encourages, that you ask us to remember that we should have courage because you are in charge and one who fulfills the things that he sets out to do. I can count on the fact that what you say will happen. And I just want to honor you for that today. And thank you for being amazing. being worthy of my worship. As we move into the rest of this time of prayer, it's a long section. I'm probably going to say too much. I just ask you to be in charge of my words and in charge of the thoughts that come into my mind. Help me know what to pray, when to pray through this chapter, and what would be most pleasing to you and most helpful and edifying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Acts chapter 23 is the chapter that we're praying, and we started off with Paul before the Sanhedrin. And as a reminder of how we got here, since it's <laughs> since we've had a couple extra days off, and in case you weren't with us, it's kind of a weird way to start. The end of chapter 22 very much set this up and started this whole scene that we have of Paul and the Sanhedrin. So as a reminder of how we got here, Paul was cited in the temple and falsely accused of bringing a Gentile into the area of the temple that was completely forbidden to them, punishable by death. He was attacked by a mob. The Romans came, saved him from being beaten to death by the Jews. But as they were trying to figure out what was happening, why this was going on, they realized that they couldn't scourge him. 
which was beating with a whip with the sharp stuff in the end of it, often resulting in death. And that was only legal to do to non-Roman citizens. They found out Paul was a Roman citizen, and so they were trying to figure out what to do from here. So they bring him before the Sanhedrin to try to get an explanation about what his crime was and why the Jews were in such an uproar. And that's where we start today. Let me give you two quick explanations that might help uh, as we go through this text. First, when Paul calls the high priest a whitewashed wall, he's using the same terminology that Jesus did to refer to him being a hypocrite. He calls him a hypocrite. Now, we don't know if he lost his temper a bit or if he was pronouncing a kind of a solemn God-inspired curse on Ananias, but he was a particularly bad high priest and was later assassinated. So that's kind of interesting that what he said actually came to pass at some point in an unusual way. And when he says he didn't know that Ananias was the high priest that had given that order to have him hit, all kinds of explanations have been given, including Paul couldn't see very well, or the high priest was dressed in plain clothes, or he didn't know who the current high priest was because he hadn't been in Jerusalem for a while, or he didn't know who actually gave him the order. But it's also just as likely that he was being ironic and saying that you would never know that he was the high priest because of the way he was acting. Also, in this chapter, notice that once the Romans were aware of his birthright, Roman citizenship was hard to obtain in this time, and being born into it was the most prestigious way to obtain that citizenship, that they responded quickly as these events were unfolding very fast. They were very responsive, and they sent half the troops in Jerusalem to escort him out of the city safely. But (laughs) I'm too much talking and not enough praying, so this is a long chapter. Let's jump in. I'm probably going to read more than I pray today, but here we go. Paul before the Sanhedrin. The next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. He brought Paul down, placed him before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You are sitting there judging me according to the law, and yet, in violation of the law, are you ordering me to be struck? Those standing nearby said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul, for it is written, You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees, and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, son of Pharisees. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, and neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees affirm them all. The shouting grew loud, and some of the scribes of Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently. We find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them, and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. 
That's just the first part of this story. So let's dive in and pray for a moment through those verses. Father, I can't imagine what Paul must have been feeling like and dealing with in this situation, having never been in something like that. But knowing that I would be afraid, knowing that I would be (laughs) stressed to the max, like, how do I deal with this? And that if it was his temper coming out, that's so understandable. But help me face these situations, any situations that I get to, whether it's that extreme or not, but the situations where I'm being accused falsely or when lots of things have gone wrong or when my witness has been doubted or when I'm attacked for something I believe. Help me face all of those kinds of situations, whether they're big or small, with the courage, the wisdom, and the quick-wittedness that Paul exhibits. Without actually speaking about it, he brings the conversation around to the idea of the resurrection of the dead, to proclaim the possibility and the certainty that he had that that was truth because you were resurrected from the dead. It does create this ruckus again in front of the Sanhedrin that turns violent. And I pray that when I disagree with someone else's theology, with someone else's interpretation of scripture, with someone else's experience of what they have done, that my reaction to that would never be violence that it would not get to the point that it got to in the Sanhedrin repeatedly. Like repeatedly that they were, they got violent enough to tear Paul apart. While I want my passion level to be high, I want my words and my reaction to things I don't understand or don't know to be wise. Help me rely on you, Spirit. Transform my mind in a way that I know and understand the things of God, that I can discern what is of you and what is not of you. All right, let's keep going. When it was morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot. These men went out to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. Before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. The son of Paul's sister, hearing about their ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander because he has something to report to him. So he took him, brought him to the commander and said, The prisoner Paul called me, asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. Commander took him by the hand, led him aside and inquired privately, What is it that you have to report to me? The Jews, he said, they have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as though they are going to hold a somewhat more careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you, because there are more than 40 of them lying in ambush, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the commander dismissed the young man and instructed him, don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. Let's pray again. Father, I feel like while this is a really extreme example, there are things that happen in our lives, in the church, that are an embarrassment to the church. We behave badly. These men were (laughs) Jews who had made a solemn oath 
to kill Paul. I'm not gonna eat or drink until the man is dead. Now, he never wound up dead, so I don't know if they starved to death or were released from their vow because they couldn't fulfill it, but help us as believers represent our church well, represent your family well. It's one thing to be passionate, it's another thing to be carried away and so mistaken about who you are and what you wanna do in our lives that we that, that we portray to the world the opposite of, of who you are and what you are. And while that may seem kind of outrageous, like that couldn't possibly happen to me, it can happen to any of us. The things that we rail against, get ugly about online, sometimes I think we really need to check ourselves about why we say what we say and about what we actually believe and investigate. Like these men were just responding to emotion and to their outrage at what they thought Paul did, that it was against you. They had good kind of like the reasons or the the motive was perhaps zealousness for your name. That's not a bad thing. But (laughs) they were actually persecuting you. That is a trap that we can fall into. And I pray that you would If I have ever done that, I ask for your forgiveness and I ask for you to search our hearts and help us to recognize those times in our lives. Help us see it. Help us look to you and ask you about what those times were. Bring those to our minds and drive us to repentance. I don't want to be the one misrepresenting you and being zealous for your name, but actually persecuting you. Let that never happen to us. And I would ask that you would clean the church of those people who are Bring them to repentance. Drive them to a heart steeped in your word and your character. All right. I think this is the final section. Yep. End of the story. Okay. He, the commander, summoned two of his centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready with 70 cavalry and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Also provide mounts to ride so that Paul may be brought safely to Felix the governor. He wrote the following letter. Claudius Lysias, the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. When this man had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusations were concerning questions of their law and that there was no charge that merited death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there was a plot against the man, I sent him to you right away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. So the soldiers took Paul during the night and brought him to Antipatris as they were ordered. The next day they returned to the barracks, allowing the cavalry to go on with him. When these men entered Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. After he read it, he asked what province he was from. When he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers also get here. He ordered that he be kept under guard in Herod's palace. All right, let's close this out with prayer. Father, I honor you today and worship you for working all situations for your good. Scripture tells us that while we may not understand it, while it might be painful, while it might be difficult... The things that happen in our life, the circumstances, you can take those circumstances and work them for the benefit of your kingdom. Certainly we see that in Paul's life and it's illustrated for us. Help us to see it in our own life while it's happening. It's a lot harder to see things when they happen, what you could do for good, and sometimes we'll never know. But help us to walk through them with the faith that Paul did. 
Help us to see his example and other scriptural examples and know that you are in charge. That whatever our circumstances, that you are in control. That you will work all things for the benefit of your kingdom. And I can rest in that. I hope that Paul was resting in that on that night ride. I mean, that, that crazy smuggle him out under cover of darkness with half the Roman troops of the city. It foiled a plot against his life. It kept him safe, but it also moved him one step closer to Rome. I pray that as we get moved one step closer and one step closer in what may feel like a move towards safety or a move towards good things, and and then we find out that we're still under imprisonment in whatever situation that is for us, imprisoned by all the things that can imprison us. Pray that we would continue to take those steps with faith, that we continue to hear your voice in our minds that says, take courage. I have work for you to do. Take courage. Help us remember that you are more powerful than the circumstances we're in. You are more powerful than the rulers of this earth. You are more powerful than anything in the spiritual realm that can come against us to hinder us. And your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank all of you for joining me today. I so appreciate you being along for this ride. If you're watching on the Grace in the Gravel Road Facebook page and you find this helpful, I would love it if you would share it with a friend who would appreciate us and meet me back here on Friday at 10 a.m. Central. If you're a podcast listener, thank you for subscribing to the show and sharing it with a friend. That helps more people learn about the show and they can join their voices with us in prayer. We are brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. And my heart is that as you and I pray together twice a week, that we would all grow in our prayer lives, that God would use this time to direct your heart as he directs mine. But most of all, I pray that you will fall deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen. Amen.